This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm Molly Gamble with Becker's and delighted to have you join us for another episode filled with insights from health system leaders. Today from Janine Grinnell, CEO of UW Valley Medical Center in Renton, Washington. Janine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being our guest. How are you today and where does the podcast find you? Well, thank you for thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. We're trying to stay warm here. Uh, I'm in Renton, Washington at Valley Medical Center, and I'm very thankful and appreciative today. Oh, likewise, Janine. It's it's great to wrap up the work week in conversation with you as we record this today. Um, UW Valley Medical Center, for listeners who are less aware of your organization, your hospital, can you share a few key facts about it just so we can better appreciate your perspective and know your organization? Sure. So Valley is a public hospital district. We are the first and the largest in the state of Washington. We just celebrated our 75th anniversary. We were created in 1947. We're the biggest healthcare system between the cities of Seattle and Tacoma. We have around 600,000 residents in our hospital district. Our catchment area is easily over a million. We have a 31, a 341-bed hospital, and we have 50 primary urgent and specialty care clinics across the greater southeast King County. Terrific. And I and, and looking into you more, Janine, I was really impressed to see that you were named CEO of the hospital in 2021, but you've spent 20 years at Valley. And that is an impressive stretch of longevity, particularly in today's times where turnover, not only in hospitals and health systems, but in so many other workplaces and industries has really become such a business concern and, and quite short. Uh, what has contributed to your lengthy time with Valley? So I, I joined Valley in 2000, so I actually just celebrated my 23rd anniversary, which feels remarkable to me. And I, the reason is that is the people. So for Valley, it is who we are, it's what we are, it's what we mean to this amazingly important community that we serve. It's all about our culture and our people. I think that is what retains uh, people. It's definitely what has driven me to be so passionate about our community and our organization. Our mission is we try and is what we try and live every day. It's caring for a community like family, and that family is the community. It is our employees. It is our staff. It is our patients. It is absolutely everyone we touch in this tapestry we call Valley. It's the opportunity to continue to learn and grow. I've I've had so many amazing opportunities over the last 23 years to do that. It's facing challenges. Heaven knows we've had plenty of those, um, <laughs> a lot over the last several years. How we overcome them. And for me, it, it just comes down to I absolutely feel so much passion for what we do every day for all of our employees and for our community. And that's what has made me stay. And that sense of familiarity with the hospital and your community, does it, do you have a story that really highlights that, Janine? I think it's something interesting that when people move into new organizations, and especially right now, given turnover among employees leaves, I think I heard a CEO tell me the other day, like 30% of employees have been with the organization for less than a year. 
Um, when you talk about this longevity, is there a story you can share that really shows how your institutional knowledge about the hospital gained over the years, as well as the ties to the community, contributed to a different decision being made or a perspective that a newcomer, if they were in your shoes, might not have had? Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I think I'd first say that having the tenure I have, it, in, it obviously influences every decision I make every day, every day in my life with, with Valley. But in particular, so I come off of the finance side. I was the CFO for Valley um, for many years before I became the CEO. And so my background, uh, my financial background, particularly with Valley, became ridiculously important when we were facing what was happening during some of the most challenging times in the history of healthcare called the pandemic. So having such a strong foundation and baseline to draw upon, I, and I don't, there isn't another person who had it in our organization. And because we had so little time to react and to ramp up and transition as part of the, what was going on with the pandemic, we were able to adapt quite quickly to pretty unprecedented operational and financial headwinds. And so we coined an effort called Operation Ascend. And um, over that last 18 months, what we have done is we have tried to capture how we would respond and react to an environment we never thought we would be in. And that included how to try and help position ourselves operationally, financially. And um, so we did that and our board basically supported all of these things that we did. And I don't know another person who could have come in from the outside with such a lens of all the history and being able to to help pivot like that in that time frame. We did that very quickly. We stood that up within six months of the yeah. pandemic starting. That's great. I, I think some of the steps and it, it probably is more easy for you to remember, Janine, but the furloughs, the layoffs, some of the abrupt decisions in COVID's immediate wake in those you know 2020 months of February, March, April. I mean, just such a challenging time for business leaders because of the level of uncertainty ahead. So to be able to get things off the ground as quickly like you did with Operation Ascend, I mean, truly a remarkable effort there. It, it, you're correct. It's a, it was an incredible time when we look we when you have the ability to look back a little bit now on it. Um, for us, Operation Ascend, we we were still operating. That is still in operation today. But yes, we were very quick in being adaptive, and that's a tribute to my entire organization. Yeah. Well, one thing that might not come to listeners' minds immediately between Renton, Washington, where you are, and Chicago, where I am, is that until recently, we shared one thing in common, which was Boeing. Uh, it was formerly headquartered here in Chicago, has since moved to Arlington. In Renton, it has a big presence in the area, right? A big manufacturing footprint. Um, when I was looking into Valley, interestingly enough, the first patient at the hospital was an injured Boeing worker. The first baby born was the son of a Boeing engineer. Uh, what can you tell us, Janine, about leading a community hospital that neighbors such an important industrial presence? Are there any synergies or partnerships with Boeing that are worth mentioning? It's it's really interesting. I think it's fair to say Valley and Boeing, we're, we're both uh, headquartered in Renton. Uh, Valley and Boeing, we grew up together and we've been partners and economic engines in the community together for for decades. Um, they apply, I think they employ around 12,000 at their Renton plant today. We employ over 4,200 people. So I we, we definitely have a, a good and strong relationship with them and it has, and it has a lot of longevity attached to it. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. Well, I'm, I'm curious as we wind down here, Janine, in a time when staffing shortages and financial challenges have been such major headwinds for hospitals, community hospitals, major integrated health systems, um, critical access and rural hospitals, really nobody's been spared. How, how do you think about excellence? You know, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, it seems as though whether it's the deficit of people to perform the work or financial challenges that can constrict it, it seems as though there's a lot of temptation right now or opportunities for the bar to be lowered. How do you foster a culture of excellence and really ensure that the people that you lead are aligned with this, this pursuit? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I think for us, we never forget who we are. We, we are an organization about people, for people, who care about people and care for people. And so I think what we try and do is we listen, we plan, we communicate. I don't think people can communicate enough. And then we communicate some more. Um, before, 23 years ago, and I was here at Valley, I was a state auditor. And I, I believe very firmly and strongly in transparency. And so we, uh, one of our emphasis is being transparent about what we face and what we're headed. I think when people have that ability to understand that and they understand who and what we are, it, it very much helps foster that culture of, of excellence. We aren't afraid of having tough conversations um, and explaining what those tough, tough conversations are and when we need to make them. We also achieve and we really need to and everyone should celebrate achievements and wins every chance we get. I love that. I love that spirit. Uh, what else do you need? What, what are some upcoming initiatives or changes at Valley that you can tell our listeners about uh, as we wrap up 2023 and head into the new year, anything that you are investing the majority of your time and energy into as of late? We have some pretty significant um, operational things that are happening that we're pretty excited about. One is we just have to continue to evolve operations as the industry and the world's changing because it's doing that in an incredible clip. But understanding patients of multiple generations and that they want to receive their care differently. So we continue to be really emphasizing new ways for to care for people. Telemedicine, for example, is a way that people are changing um, how they receive care. In January 24, we're beginning construction on our first major investment in growth since the pandemic happened. And it's the phase one of our new cancer center, which is going to include a 41-bay infusion center, compounding pharmacy, and uh, a, re a well-being resource center called the Trapper and Samantha Well-being Resource Center. And why are we doing this? Because cancer is the number one cause of death in our hospital district. It outstrips everything. And so phase one of the project is going to allow us to care for 40% more people than we do today. It's going to have the care local. It's going to have it convenient. And it's going to keep it here for the residents in Southeast King County who aren't going to want to have to try and travel for that care during that type of during that time of cancer care. We're going to continue to understand how we can meet the multi-generations and we we're continuing to relocate and expand our primary care clinics and specialty care and uh, honestly like everyone else and in, in our industry we're trying to get ourselves back to sustainability after the impacts of the last four years so we've got a lot of really exciting things going on that are very specific to to our community to help continue to advance healthcare in our community when you say you'll be able to serve 40 more people than you are today, can you just restate the timeline for when that expansion is expected to be completed? That's really significant. Yeah, 40 40% more people. Yes. Uh we so we are hoping to have that construction so the it, jan, construction starts in January 24 
in around 13 to 15 months from now, so sometime in first quarter of 2025, we are planning on opening that. And we are so excited. I can't even explain how excited we are to be able to provide that to the community. It's been a long challenge through the pandemic to get that to get that funded and done, and, and we're doing it. And Janine, I think that story, I, I've heard others like it. And I, from a media perspective, we there's so much attention paid and it rightfully so to a degree about virtual care, telemedicine, hospital at home. And then you hear these stories of these new brick and mortar facilities or expansions that are needed and how there's this awkward phase where people are projecting more care to move out of hospital walls. But right now there is need for more capacity and more access and stories like yours that I think sometimes, I don't know if it's, they're treated as old news or they're not as technologically sophisticated or interesting or maybe groundbreaking, but hospitals today still need to have more beds and, and more space for people in the community like this story illustrates. And I think sometimes um, it's, it's treated as, all care is moving out. And I think it's really important to remember stories like yours. There's a new cancer hospital going up in Boston, um, some other major institutions investing some serious money in space in brick and mortar facilities that shows this is still a very much a necessity. Oh, absolutely. The The demand the demand here is, is very high. And I wish I could say otherwise, we're, we're talking about cancer, but the demand here is high. And we're really committed to being able to expand to expand it. And it's the first of multiple phases, actually, for a more comprehensive cancer care center for us. But we're really excited to get this one going. And it's something I'm very passionate about because uh, I don't know anyone who's over the age of probably 20 in this world who doesn't know somebody who's been touched by cancer in some way, themselves, a family member, a friend, a colleague, and so it really matters for us to be funding uh, projects like this, and we're pretty passionate about this one and excited. Well, I look forward to reporting on it uh, into 2024 and 2025, Janine, and thanks for closing us out with a, a sense of what's to come. Um, Janine Grinnell, CEO of UW Valley Medical Center in Renton, Washington. I want to thank you again for being our guest on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. A pleasure visiting with you, better understanding your hospital, your organization, your market, and your, your leadership too, Janine, um, over this long stretch of time you've committed to Renton. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about Valley. I, I think all, of our, all healthcare organizations right now are still recovering from the last four years. We're no different, but we, we believe we have, a, we have a lot of hope and a bright future ahead, so thank you. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.